the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. People like to spout off in their echo, favorite echo chamber with other people who agree with them, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You know, it, it's like the mask thing. Some people are going to be wearing masks to church and some aren't. Some are going to be wearing masks even though they've had the uh, vaccine. Some aren't. But you know what? They're all Christians. And regardless of what your eschatology is, if you're a born-again believer, you're part of one family, and there is no need to divide over these silly kinds of things. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan, there is victory in the end, your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth, that nothing is impossible with you. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today in the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues with the Future Grace series, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to Revelation chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. It is truth, Father. Sanctify us in truth. Set us apart in truth for your service, Lord. Prepare our hearts and our minds to serve you actively, Lord, as there is no retirement in your economy. Lord, you have written to us this letter this Bible, Lord, a letter from another world. And at the end of this letter, Father, is a real letter, a letter called Revelation. Help us to look into its pages, to look into its truth, to see what our Lord has to say to us. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue our series on the book of Revelation. Some people call it a book, some people call it an epistle, and we'll get to all that before the series is over, and even today. It is, in my opinion, the happiest book in the Bible. Last week I shared with you in the first of these three introductory sermons that Revelation should be considered among the happiest books in the Bible, and I listed the other two. One is Philippians, which is the happiest epistle, so to speak. Uh, Paul writes to 
the church at Philippi to commend them for their faithfulness and to encourage them to excel still more. And then there is the uh, happiest Old Testament book, in my opinion, and that is the Philippians of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, which looks at life and all its complexities and at the end, in a beautiful thesis statement, helps you to make sense of your existence, right? And Ecclesiastes 12, when all is said and done, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty, the responsibility of everyone. And so it helps us, the Bible, that's what it does. It helps us to make sense of our existence. Revelation is a book like that, is an epistle like that. It is, uh, it tells us of the future grace of God that we can expect. And that's why our sermon series is entitled Future Grace, a study of the apocalypse of John. Today's message is entitled, A Letter, and it's in su- its subt- subtitle, How Then Shall We Interpret? And our text today is Revelation chapter 1, 1 through 7. And what we see here today is a cause for joy. Jesus wins. God is not leaving us in the dark on our own to twist in the winds of this uncertain world but is communicating to us the things that we need to know so that when they happen, we will not be caught off guard, we will not be confused. And he writes to us to encourage us to take these things seriously and to live out the rest of our lives, the rest of our time here on earth, this time here in exile that we have with urgency because the time is near. The book of Revelation was given to the Apostle John by God through Jesus Christ. It is a prophetic vision of the things to come. John writes during his exile on this small island called Patmos off the coast of Greece. It is a penal colony. He was left there. He was put there by order of the king of of Caesar. And they, I think they hoped he would either go insane or die and neither happened. Because he outlived the life of the person who sentenced him there. He was released around 96 AD and he died a few years later in 98 AD. If you go to Patmos today, Terry and I went to Patmos years ago. Actually right before we came to this church. And it's a beautiful resort area now. You'd never know it was a penal colony. I have a couple of slides here I think. We went there on uh, Good Friday Orthodox Good Friday. It just happened to be the time that Greece flies their flags at half-mast on our Good Friday, on their Good Friday. And what they've done now is they've taken the entrance to the cave. This is a little picture of the cave that, where they think all this took place. And they've made it into a church. They put a facade on it. It is a working church. That day they were having Good Friday services. Right above the door is a picture of God, of Jesus, giving to John revelation. Now, whether that is the actual location or not, we don't know. But what we do know is that that picture depicts revelation. And we know that John was on the island. We know that he was there. And uh, he wrote by command of Christ. He was to share all that he saw with the people of God, with Christ followers with the servants of Jesus Christ, hence the name Revelation. Revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypse, meaning, or apocalypsis, meaning the uncovering, the unveiling, the revealing, and in the English word revelation, you get that sense. God wants us to know 
what's coming. And why? Because he loves us. Why? Because he sent his son to die for us. Why? Because he wants us ready, able, and willing to fulfill the calling with which we've been called in the days ahead. Why? Because the time is drawing near and it is drawing closer and closer every day. And each and every day we should be living with greater and greater urgency. Now, Revelation, the book of Revelation, unfortunately, is a a scary book for some. It's a confusing book for others. For others, it's it's a reason to speculate about anything and everything rather than to dig deep and drill down deep into the word of God and understand the will of God. It's kind of like sometimes people, it's like Mars Hill, where everybody wants to talk about something new, but it's a cause of much speculation, the book is. Uh, Some people look at it and say, uh, well, I need to look at that from an an end times perspective that is uh, purely spiritual or purely allegorical, and and when are the end times? Uh, And is the Antichrist someone in the past Somebody in the present, somebody in the future was the Antichrist Antiochus Epiphanes who desecrated the temple during the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Has all this already happened? Or should we expect a different Antiochus Epiphanes, a different Antichrist? Some people say, well, should I be a preterist or a partial preterist or a theonomist? And which one of these should I be and why? And some people go, go, well, what are those? And then some people say, well, maybe I should be premillennial. Uh, but I don't know which premillennial to be, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Should I be historic pre-mill or should I be futuristic pre-mill? Should I be dispensational or covenantal? What should I be? And aren't we already living in the end times? There's lots of questions. And as human beings are inclined to do sometimes, even though this is an intramural, a family discussion within the church of Jesus Christ... People like to fight over this stuff. People get mad when you talk about it. People get mad when you disagree with them. It's like politics today. You know, people take turns talking, but they don't spend a lot of time listening. And people like to spout off in their echo, favorite echo chamber with other people who agree with them, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You know, it's like the mask thing. Some people are going to be wearing masks to church. Some aren't. Some are going to be wearing masks even though they've had the uh, vaccine. Some aren't. But you know what? They're all Christians. And regardless of what your eschatology is, if you're a born-again believer, you're part of one family. And there is no need to divide over these silly kinds of things. With all these categories then, the question comes up, well, well, how do I make sense of Revelation? How then should I interpret? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How do we cut through the cloud of confusion How do we make sense of all this? How do we approach the interpretation of God's word? And today we continue to tackle this difficult question. But it's not so difficult after all if you think through it logically. Forget about the labels. And I have to be honest with you, you know, we are a premillennial church. You know that. It's on a statement of faith. No surprise. But humanly speaking, I don't care what your eschatology is. What I do care about is how you interpret the Bible, is how you read the Bible, how you make sense of the Word of God, because that will straighten out your eschatology. That will straighten out your understanding of the end times. And so as we move through this study, regardless of your label, we're going to be asking, what does the text say? What do the words say? What do they mean? We're looking at the connection of the words. 
You have a word, it makes up a sentence, a sentence makes up a paragraph, a paragraph makes up an idea, a thought, and a discourse. What, are the, what does the text say? What do the words mean? And how then shall we think? How then shall we live? What shall we understand? How shall we fulfill the calling with which we've been called? And why do I take this approach in particular? Well, remember this, it's a letter. And we'll get into that in a moment. Letters were written to be understood. And so you read the letter and you follow the, 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 the train of thought and you let it take you wherever it will just like any letter you get today. Also, this approach, this very simple approach, what does the text say, what does the text mean, what then shall we do, was the approach that Jesus took in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Last week I read to you from uh, Matthew twenty-two, forty-two to 46. Let me just read now real quick. Now the Pharisees gathered together. Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? He said to them, how? And, and they said to him, he's the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Jesus took a very simple, straightforward approach to the scriptures. What do they say? You see it again in Luke 10, 25, and 26. I want you to listen to the question that Jesus asked. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the question that you and I have to ask and answer is, How do we read the scriptures? Do we read the scriptures? Do we take time to wrestle with what they say. What does the text say? What does the text mean? What then do we do? And so with those things in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter one and we're gonna read through verses one through seven. Revelation chapter one, verses one through seven. I know we covered one through three last week, but you have to bear with me as we work through this. I want you to get a, a picture of the flow of the discourse here. I want you to see the ideas that are glued, strung together, ordered for our understanding and thought process. And so we turn to Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and we read this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. That's the apostle whom Jesus loved. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Even to all, to everything, to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for because the time is near. And here's the epistle. Here's the greeting. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler 
of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. God has written us a letter. And it's a letter that he intends for us to read and understand and embrace and respond to. He wants to reveal, not conceal. He wants to clarify, not confuse. And he's telling us through his own trusted Savior, his son, Jesus Christ, and the apostle whom Jesus loved, John. He writes to bless us through his revelation, his uncovering of the things to come so that we can respond in obedience and experience the joy of our master. And understanding what is written is of great importance. God is a capable and competent communicator and he wrote to us, he condescended to us to communicate to us just like we talk to small children when we're raising them in a way that we can understand. And, and the time is near. And so as we know that things are coming to a close, the history is coming to an end, we can take heart and take joy that things are not going to get worse and worse forever, that there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And this is what Revelation is all about. It, it assures us and reassures us that he is in fact returning, that we will see that return, that it will be unmistakable, that all the world will see it. And that's what a natural, simple, common sense reading of the text reveals. So what I'd like to do today is to walk you through the text. Starting in verse 1 and going to verse 7, it'll be a very different format sermonically, uh, perhaps than what we're used to. Uh, there's just uh, one point to the sermon in the end. And uh, what I'd like to do is just to start with the first three reasons that we talked about for reading the text last week. And that is the purpose of the epistle. It is revelatory and preparatory. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things which must soon take place. And our response to that is to be prepared because he's writing to us to reveal what's going to happen. Then there was the nature of the epistle. We talked about this last week. It is prophetic. It is clarifying. It ties up all the loose ends from Genesis all the way up to Revelation. We saw that in verses 2 and 3. He made it known by sending his angel to John. He made it known by sending his angel to John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all, to everything that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Ties things up for us, right? It, it, it brings revelation. It brings the special revelation of God that is the 66 books of the Bible to a close, to a clarifying, coherent close in this glorious final chapter that we call the epistle of Revelation. Then thirdly, there was the effect of the, the epistle. The effect of the epistle. When we read it and respond to it, we experience blessedness. 
we experience blessing. It is the same word that begins the Beatitudes, blessed, right? Happy is the one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. That's why this epistle is so important, because the time is near. We are living, we are marching headlong into the end times. Time is short and getting shorter every day, and our call and our calling is a calling of urgency. And that's why we have to pick up and read this book. We have to pick up and read this epistle. We need not worry about it, be afraid of what's in it. We need to rejoice with what we find. We need to, we need to dig down deep into it. We need to pick up and read. And so a natural common sense reading of the text is in order. What do the words say? What do the words mean? What then shall we do? And for one thing, when you look at this, what you have to understand is this epistle is a real letter from a real person. It's, a, it's, a, it's an epistle. And you know, when you look at the epistles, whether it's the Pauline epistles or the Petrine epistles or the Johannine epistles, they are written in very straightforward language to communicate clearly concrete ideas that we have to embrace, facts and realities. They need to be taken seriously. They need to be taken literally. Now, how do we know this is an epistle? Well, we see this here. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, John is a real person, he's writing to seven churches in Asia, and it says grace to you and peace. That is an epistolary formula that you find throughout the epistles. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace. It's a real letter from a real person. Written to real churches. Written to whom? Real churches. Where do we see that? To the seven churches that are in Asia. What does the text say? To seven types of churches that will one day exist throughout the pages of church history? It's not what it says. To seven theoretical churches? To seven kinds of people who are reflected in this imagery of seven churches? That's not what it says. To the seven churches that are in Asia. Real churches. How do we know that? Because we know that from the context. If we pick up and read and we work our way through this text, we'll arrive sooner or later to Revelation chapter 2. And we will see these churches named by their location. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. These were letters of preparation, letters of warning, letters of exhortation written to these churches. They all got a copy of this book. These aren't theoretical churches. And he has something to say to each and every church based on their level of faithfulness. And one of the things about this is only two of these churches get a passing grade. So it's written to seven churches that are in Asia. The text says so. The context says so. And by extension, of course, because God has preserved this text 
and transmitted it and sent it to us down through the ages at the cost of many lives and many people's efforts in the service of their Savior. It's a letter written to us too. And we'll get to what would Jesus think about our church when we get into the letters of the seven churches in chapters two and three. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.